Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. G'day there, Steph Postuma here and welcome to another episode of the Gong Show podcast. Usually I'd be joined by Andy Burns and Simon Evans to talk about food, but this week we have a podcast takeover. We've got three women in hospitality from around Wollongong, Jen D. Gregorio, Maddie Sullivan and Kayla McClelland. They're taking over the podcast this week to talk about issues women face in hospitality. They'll do a bit of show and tell themselves. But we basically said you guys can take over our podcast this week and talk about whatever you like. So I'm going to leave them to it. I hope you enjoy this special episode of the Gong Show podcast, episode number six, The Women in Hospitality Takeover. Jen, Maddie and Kayla here doing a female takeover of the Gong Show podcast. Um, so yes, my name's Jen, I'm the co-owner of Babyface Kitchen and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, basically my role is mainly back at house stuff now, uh, but I work in the bar at Babyface uh, two nights a week. Uh, Maddie? Hey guys, I'm uh, Maddie, I'm the co-owner of the Throsby and newly opened Black Cockatoo Bar and also partners at the newly opened Creamy's Gelato on Kimber Street. Hey guys, I'm Kayla, I'm a chef at Dagwood. Alright, so we're just going to do a quick acknowledgement of country. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land, the Illawarra, and pay respect to the elders past and present. Um, so guys, today we are going to be talking about a very large topic, it's, uh, it's women in hospo. Um, something that, you know, we've all had a lovely chat about, there's definitely some different uh, avenues and different opinions that we're all going to talk about today. Um, but firstly, we're just going to dive in, uh, new openings and closures in the region. Um, well, I'm happy to kick that one off. Um, my partner and I, along with some friends, um, Matt and Elise Borgo, have recently opened um, Creamies, which is a new gelato uh, shop open um, on Kemmler Street, right next door to the Throsby. Um, I guess it kind of came from like a, a love of gelato, you know, going to the big cities and being able to go out for a scoop of ice cream once you've finished some kick-ass dinner and kind of wander on home or mosey on to the next bar and um yeah we just kind of felt like 
that wasn't here yet. So um, like with everything we do, we kind of, we miss something here in Wollongong and we try and make it happen. So, um, Which is so true and such an awesome ooh. thing that you've done. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess um, this is a, a new project for myself and my partner, Eric, because we've been lucky enough to do it um, with partners, which is not something that we've done before. And it's really exciting to be able to work with people that have experience outside of hospitality I guess um Elise is the commercial manager at uh, Wollongong private hospital and, and Matt has heaps of experience in ice cream and um distribution but more from uh, I guess like an administration and IT side so um it's been really exciting and definitely learning new things working with them um and it's a friggin' beautiful shot <laughs> go and have a look um yeah if you do get the chance to come down uh, I think the the favourites so far have been the buttermilk and passion fruit and the banana ice cream. So definitely check those out. Um, and black cockatoo. So you've also recently opened a bar, Maddie. Let's tell, tell yeah. us a little bit about um, that. I don't want to go too much into it because I feel like the mercury kind of blew our cover already. Anyway. <laughs> 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 um, you know, th- those people. That, but anyway... Um, yeah, no, we've just recently opened a, a really small bar also in Wollongong. Uh, I won't disclose the location, but it's 25 seats and um, it's a, a cocktail and beer bar. Um, it's definitely got a, a, a darker, more moody vibe to it. Um, and we have a later trading there as well. So we're open from 6 p.m. till 2 a.m. So um, come find us. Which is like you know again so cool for Wollongong hospitality for all of us hospo kids very, after very Saturday cool. night that's we why actually we did have it. Someone to, somewhere to go yeah well, I think we did that you know because we really I mean obviously we're fortunate enough now to have these small bar licenses where we can open till 2am but it is for people you know I think it was born out of trying to make something for people in hospitality when they finish at midnight and want to go with their colleagues for a drink and and just kind of wind down on their way home and it just didn't really exist at that point so yeah is that something that like you found maybe now a couple couple of years later after opening the Throsby was a little bit easier for you to do um, just in terms of I guess licensing and I think it's more um, people that are actually willing to kind of go out and I guess go to these late night venues yeah I think I think everyone is enjoying the smaller venues and you know being able to go out late night to somewhere that's doesn't have you know necessarily like loud dance music and um yeah I mean there's so many opening um you know we just opened um you've got Choppy's new bar Night Parrot which is doing awesome stuff as well they're open till 2am now too so um, yeah, the, there's another one coming from the guys from His Boy coming up the road from us soon too. So His, his Boy or oh, Howling, Howling, Howling Wolf. Yeah, I think um, what I really noticed and something that I've never really done before, but actually like closing out the restaurant after a Saturday night and walking down Crown Street on a Saturday night at eleven o'clock. Now that is something that I haven't done in a while <laughs> but it's yeah it's pretty eye-opening um and yeah basically you know we're, it's it's all people kind of spilling out onto the road from venues that you know may not be I guess 
promoting the safest safest form of drinking or you know giving you the best environment to sort of go and, and have a relaxed after work drink but I think it's really cool that there are these new venues that we can go to that um, you know offer a different kind of yeah service to Wollongong um, and just from going into these venues it's it's really cool like people are obviously loving it because you know every time that um, you know, I head into the night parrot or, you know, on Saturday night when I went into the Black Cockatoo. It's fucking great. There's people in there and they're loving it. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we see a shift in our local drinking culture, which I help think will, you know, will help our food, food and bev scene. I think it's already changing as well. Like, yeah. there's already that huge culture. Like, perfect example, the wolf on a Saturday night yeah. after... 11 o'clock there's this corner of chefs and hospital workers like hold up in there and then come 11 30 quarter to 12 everyone's moving to night parrot and yeah. i'm sure now as well like everyone will be moving around to black copper too yeah. and just working their way through venues that aren't doing responsible service yeah it's probably the best way and i guess also yeah. it means that we've got somewhere to go because if you don't want to go to you know these big venues that are blasting loud music with lines around the corner you're going to a club um which yeah basically if you're not sitting in front of a pokey um they don't really want you in there anyway so and i would hope that these smaller venues are complementing to the you know to the dining scene anyway yeah, because absolutely. it's giving people an extension of their night like to have the opportunity to, to do something else that's only going to add to their experience yeah. and not detract from it. So yeah. it's giving people the option to go out and, and keep enjoying themselves with their friends rather than packing it up and going home because there's nothing. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. I think it's really cool, like, when we have people in here on a Saturday night, it might be, like, the anniversary or their date night, they've got the kids at home with a babysitter and they just want to, you know, kick on for a little bit longer go and have a cocktail or a drink it's really nice to be able to say hey like my friends have these great bars or go and check this out and um you know it, it extends their their night and you know their really good experience that they've had out in the goal which is you know something that is really cool for us I don't totally think, yeah I don't and know I, if we've had that i think um to be honest like i think I, i've always said that um the start of this movement like would have to be Dagwood like it was kind of the first bar to open where people could just go and grab a drink and grab something to eat in you know in a really um casual casual environment environment, but also like it was so well executed the theme so you know it's such a great concept and just has a really good vibe about it and it always has and I think it was the first it still really maintained that vibe too yeah I used to I was a patron well before I was working there. I've only been working there for four or five months, something around that. But it's still, it's one of those places you walk into and you actually enjoy it and you feel quite relaxed and you don't feel out of place, if that makes sense. Like there's a lot of people, I think, that will go to venues, Sydney, Wollongong, wherever, and feel a little bit out of place in those bars. But it's just, yeah, it's very... It has been very well done. Mm. It's still quite relaxed and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, new opening, uh, Goodies Coffee. I haven't been up there yet. Oh, but I, I have been. I am so good. intrigued. It looks friggin' awesome. Um, the guys that are running it and the guy that owns it 
is a legend and top notch. Kino and top notch. They're killing it. The coffee's great. Um, Pastries are awesome. Big shout out to yeah. So they're selling um, Miller's local bakehouse sweets and pastries, which is um, run by Emma Huber. Uh, Eat at Sandy's and the recently closed Sandy Goodwitch, um, and they're serving White Horse. Is that right? White Horse with milk coffee and Market Lane for black. Um, So everyone go and give them a try. It looks friggin' amazing. Yeah. Any new, any other places that have opened or closed recently? Silica and Kyoma. Oh, Silica, yes. Have you been? No. No. Okay. I've heard every... I actually have any. I'm out of the loop. I've been head down in construction and <laughs> yeah. for six weeks so tell me i don't tell know us. all that much about it do you know much honest. about the boys that are running it no, no. um so we don't know much it's <laughs> a great topic to talk about <laughs> you know nothing about it but apparently um, it's great but there's a lovely new restaurant called silicon down <laughs> in kayama um i know one of the chefs there he used to work for us michael edwards um he's a brilliant cook um, and I know that if he's in the kitchen, it's definitely going to be worth a check out. Um, so yeah, guys, if you're ever down in Kayama, make sure you go and check out. What Silica. kind of food are they doing? Don't know. <laughs> no, I would say I've heard it's amazing. I would That's say it would be very much produce driven and casual dining, or I think it's probably I think it is quite right. shit. I'm sure it's probably refined, but still nice and casual. Um, has anyone been anywhere recently that was awesome? Restaurant, bar-wise? Uh, <laughs> here in Strasbourg. Yeah, <laughs> sick. Favourite place in Strasbourg. So did I you went come to, here? Um, three weeks ago. Oh, sweet. Thank God it was all right. And Yeah, it was delicious <laughs> and had never been to Strasbourg oh. and went for the first time oh, cool. the other day yeah. and loved it. Awesome. So. That's good. Thank God. It's very I much. I <laughs> it's have not been out that much, and actually, I really did want to come to your Babyface event. I was at Anzac. Oh yeah, day, Anzac Day event, but didn't make it. But um, yeah, definitely. You guys are doing another one coming up soon, right? Yeah. So we are doing an event tomorrow. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a drinks takeover with Joel Amos, who is the owner of Drinks. DRNKS, uh, which is an online website uh, which sells natural wine, delicious beers, and spirits. Um, so that's just going to be a bit of fun. I, I honestly thought, like my team at the Throsby, I swear they call it Dranks all the time. Dranks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where did you get that from, Dranks? <laughs> um, so yeah, he's, it's going to be nice and casual. Um, we're just doing a short menu of snacks, smaller dishes, a couple of larger. But um, the whole idea behind it was to make it approachable to everyone. Um, so if someone wants to come in, grab a glass of wine and, you know, a couple <coughs> of small plates, it's very much doable. And I guess, like, the whole reason behind doing these events was also to bring a little bit more awareness to, I guess, the producers behind these natural wines. Um, it's definitely still quite a new thing in Wollongong and uh, it's definitely still a lot of talk behind it. So actually giving people the opportunity to come in and meet the people that are producing these, um, these wines and um, beers is awesome because they get to actually, you know, you know talk about the procedures in, in how they make them and, and why 
you know, why they do what they do and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about um, why people feel the way that they feel about them, uh, which is, yeah, you know, it's all just bringing and shedding light onto, yeah, onto the natural wine movement, which, you know, we love and support here at Babyface. So, yeah, it comes very naturally to us. Yeah, totally. We actually had, um, Monday was uh, a big event up at Sydney Town Hall called Minuscule. I don't know if you guys yeah. have heard of it, but yep. it's um, basically they get about six or seven different companies who represent portfolios and they get as many of the winemakers um, up there um, and showcase all their new releases. Um, sadly, I'm expecting another small human, so couldn't <laughs> couldn't try any of the wines, but it's always nice to um, catch up with the winemakers. And um, But yeah, we actually sent up a, a pretty big team um, this year. We have three of our um, staff from the floor and also my partner, Eric, and um, there are so, from what they tell me, there are some really good wines coming out this year. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it'll be good to see. Yeah, and coming from, you know, really passionate producers, which I think is so important in, you know, the food and wine industry. that got to be a little bit crazy, very passionate, um, and that's what makes you successful. Definitely. That's something too, like not being originally from Wollongong and noticing... I've been in, living in Wollongong six, seven years now and how the drinks industry has changed completely and now it's gone back to that really, really nicely refined, everyone's enjoying wine again, it's not about smashing yeah, smashing cocktails yeah. and doing this, that, whatever, everyone's appreciating the simpler things totally. in Wollongong, which is yeah. really, really nice to see coming well, from yeah. a small town. Yeah, like Wollongong, I mean, I was a bit young for it, but just kind of talking to my sister She's six years older than me, and like the biggest things for her when she was growing up through Wollongong were snake bites at the Illawarra, which were a thing apparently they're really cheap on certain nights. Which, if I'm pretty sure a snake bite is a pint which is half filled with cider, half filled with beer, and then a shot of grenadine, <laughs> and they just get your trolley. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, snake bites were a thing, and then um, also toss the box. At the North Gulf, yeah, which was like, yeah. yeah, another probably not RSA strong point, yeah. Um, but yeah, very fun for many people. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I agree. Like, uh, yeah, it's uh, really drinking and dining scene has changed really, really a lot. changed. Yeah, totally. Since I think since I moved back here back about five years ago now, and like where Wollongong was, like. Where <laughs> to where it is now it's amazing and I think people will I think there'll be people like the three of us that you know see all the benefits that this place has to offer and 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 want to bring something different to the table and and hopefully there's a new generation of people that are coming through that you know feeling inspired and thinking yep I'm going to do that because it's only going to make it a better place for everyone to, to eat and drink so yeah for sure yeah um, so I recently went to Sixpenny, uh, which is a little restaurant in Stanmore. Um, my husband Andy and I went for our birthdays, and it was lush. Like it was the best dining experience I've had in ages. Really? Yeah. Have you guys ever been? No, I no. still haven't been. So it's like this. It to me looks like this little um, old house that's been renovated. Um, but yeah, it was just gorgeous. So simple architecture all the woodwork in there is just oh 
It's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, the food's very much just based around a produce uh, driven menu. Um, it's super simple, uh, very seasonal, focuses on, I guess, high quality meats and, uh, you know, sourced aquaculture, which is really cool. And they've got a little kitchen garden out the back, which is also cool. But just the, like, the finer things, we did a wine pairing and that was amazing. The service, which is just next level, like you could not fault it. Um, you know, down to the bathrooms, which are amazing, which, as you know, we all notice the bloody bathrooms. <laughs> um, and, yeah, they have this crazy little fancy crumb scraper, which is made out of wood and horse hair. Oh, yeah, and sorry. it was just fucking amazing. And I wanted to take it. <laughs> by the end of the amazing. afternoon, I'd had a few wines, and I was like, oh, this is just, this is amazing. It was, yeah, really, really cool experience. Um, so for any of you that don't know, Six Penny is a two-hat restaurant located in Stanmore. Um, yeah, small little dining room, I'd say probably about 25 to 30 seats. Um, but yeah, just yeah, really amazing dining experience. So you should all go and check it out. Yeah. I really want to go, which is probably, it's not cutting edge. Well, they say that it is. Um, I really want to go and check out the new Bar Patron. By oh yeah, Marie. yeah. I don't know if it's just because I'm hanging for a margarita. Or... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just looks beautiful. It looks really beautiful, and the food apparently they're doing. They're trying to do. I think real Mexican to be said for real Mexican yeah. food. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really keen to go and check that out. Yeah, I think that would be good. Whereabouts is that? I think it's a Barangaroo. Barangaroo. Yeah. Okay. Not overseas passenger terminal. Not me. No. 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 I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in Barangaroo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my list. Cool. All right. So next topic is real talk. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of some issues faced by women in hospitality. Um, Kayla, do you want to start? Yeah. Um, so a little bit about my history, I guess. I grew up in Batemans Bay, small town down the coast. Um, I, I pretty much grew up in a kitchen. So my father's a chef and has owned lots of restaurants in Batemans Bay. Um, so I was always around that scene and always had very, very good people around me. And it was interesting how I started working in hospitality when I was really young. Um, and I worked front of house for a really long time which is expected I think for girls to go on your first job you're sort of working at Macca's or KFC or waitressing or doing stuff like that so um, yeah I was doing that and then Busy Summers was in the dessert kitchen which is always fun but I always wanted to be in the kitchen Kitchen. and doing stuff like that so that was also really interesting. So I started my apprenticeship, left school. Um, I was really, really lucky in Batemans Bay to work with such really good chefs and chefs that have worked amongst Michelin star chefs wow. overseas yeah. and in Haddad restaurants. So I was really, really lucky to learn from them. Um, it's probably like Wollongong where people, they kind of, they grow up there and then yeah. they leave and then they Jumping come back again. And, yeah. yeah. So I was really, really lucky to work with some of those chefs um, who have all gone on to do other things and have families and stuff like that. So 
I got about halfway through my apprenticeship and moved up to Wollongong. Um, that was a huge, huge change of scenery for me. Moved up by myself, knew one or two people, just decided it was something I wanted to do to further my career. Um, and the entire attitude of chefs is perceived differently yeah. up here. I was When I first moved up, I was told, why did you move to Wollongong? You should have just gone to Sydney. The only way you're going to make it is if you move to Sydney. Wow. And I was like, oh, I really like Wollongong. Like it's, it reminds me of home. Wollongong's very, very similar to home. So yeah. that was interesting as well. Um, as soon as I qualified, I did cop a lot of shit when I was younger. Like yeah. As a female chef, I worked with a very, very big group of female apprentices. There was... So that's, to me, that sounds rare, like a Very big group rare. of yeah. female yeah. apprentices. I had a female head chef, a female sous chef. Wow. And there was two other female apprentices. We were all in the same year wow. as well. And that was spread amongst a couple of groups of venues. Um, that was very, very, the most female heavy kitchen I've worked in. Yeah, and absolutely. In saying that, a little bit out of balance as well. Like it could have been a bit more even and that would have been perfect so there's a lot more women too than much instructions yeah we all synced up and it got a bit scary oh, no. <laughs> it got yeah no, it, got, it got pretty scary oh my god when That's the crazy. other venue opened and it was just guys I was pretty happy to bolt up there <laughs> um, sorry it's it's yeah that was pretty crazy um but yeah, so copped a lot of shit when I was an apprentice from especially a few older chefs, women and men, that were just trying to, I think, a, a couple of female chefs had said to me in the past, like, they're just trying to toughen up because it's going to be fucked. Like, pretty much. Yeah. Kitchens are going to be fucked. And that was such an attitude that I just didn't want to be near and that was just horrible. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I qualified, the respect level changed. Like, oh, she did it. Like, she actually... She qualified, like she wanted to be a chef. It's like, well, yeah, this is what, what are the stats on sh- like chefs finishing um, their apprenticeships like these roughly. days? Yeah, it's so different now because the apprenticeships are shorter. Yeah, um, it's really, really short now. So when I did mine, it was four years, yeah. and I think it was about 60% were qualifying. Wow, it's not a lot, like, no, yeah, but now I guess the whole idea is because there is um, an industry shortage, they want to get everything through and they want to get everyone through that they can. Um, so, yeah, they have shortened the um, commercial cookery apprenticeship, I believe. Now it's only two or two and a half years. Yeah, it's only, um, I think it's only 18 months at TAFE. Yeah, wow. which is, I think, um, personally, as a business owner, I don't think. It's uh, long enough um, to give young people the um, yeah the training that they need, the discipline that they need to be able to you know go to TAFE, turn up, do their work. Um, you know that all takes discipline and it teaches you lessons. And you probably find that as well. Like something to be that said to that. Through the four <clears throat> years of their apprenticeship, now yeah. you know you paid your dues, you work really hard. And there's a lot of it. There's a huge huge difference in chefs these days that are coming out of tape and finishing yeah <clears throat> because they're just not because of their mentors and the chefs around them purely just because they're not getting enough time yeah 
Yeah. They're called a chef before they're even halfway through an apprenticeship. Like, yeah, yeah. You can date for us, nearly. You yeah. can, yeah, yeah. And, like you can talk Fucking to chef. <laughs> you can Sorry, Kayla. Talk to them. No, you can talk to them as much as you want and try and teach them as much as you want, but the time's just so not enough. Yeah. So. I shouldn't say that. You need to do more than deep fire shit. So that was rude. Sorry. You do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess being, it's a little bit different for Maddie and I because we're very much, um, you know either on the floor or doing more back of house stuff now but being a female in what is mainly a industry that has more men than women in it how 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 is it how does it feel um so a lot of women in kitchens are perceived to be either hard asses or too soft okay and it's just finding like you do like yeah. That's that's it. As long as you're a good person and you're not a shitty person, yeah. that's all that matters. Um, but it sort of swings in both ways. I was recently head chef of a venue and I was employed over another chef who I will step back and he was 100% a better chef than me. Like yeah. Way more experienced. Um, really, really lovely guy. Good friend of mine. Yeah. And he would have, he should have gotten that job out right. of purely experienced and he's a very very decent human being um i was employed based on the fact that i am a woman right and it's a really good look to have a female chef um as your head chef because that's great for wollongong that's great for everybody which in saying that yes it is but there's i think there's a line between whether it's a good thing or a bad thing whether it's the right thing for that business Yeah. yeah i think like all of the I was trying to be, think about some women that I sort of came up with or, you know, women mentors that I had. And one thing that I was thinking about is the nurturing qualities that we have in, I guess, training or mentoring people. And that's one thing um, I definitely had when I was first coming up as a waitress. It was like my second or third job. And one of my managers was this lovely, sprightly, very highly organised woman. She was a hard-ass when she needed to be a hard-ass, um, but she was extremely caring and, you know, almost maternal, which is crazy to say, but that's what made her extremely good at her job. And I think that um, is what, you know, makes us so special and so such an important part of this mm. industry is that we do have <laughs> those qualities that come naturally to us and we are able to put them... Um, you know, into play a little bit easier than um, a man might necessarily do um, in certain situations where we have to manage someone or, you know, we have to mentor someone. Yeah, um, and experiencing that as well. Yeah. As, as, as a, a head chef. chef. Yeah. There's a lot of people that go through the industry that have got um, a lot of shit going on in their lives. They're yeah. spending a lot of their time at work and that's a huge pressure in itself. Yeah. Especially with partners that don't work in hospitality and kids and things like that it is really hard so having that support within your venue and place of work is a huge thing and I think yeah women do have a massive impact on on how that happens yes yeah 100% right like it's yeah naturally just definitely I mean there's not I mean there there are industries where people work hard but hospitality is one of those industries where you know 
whether you want to or not, you're probably going to be there every day of the week. You're probably going to be there, you know, minimum of 10 hours a day, um, you know, at least five days of the week. Like, they're big, long days. They are antisocial hours, and it does make the work-life balance a challenge, I think. And for, that's for ev- that goes for everyone, you know. But um, definitely I found, like... Uh, I have an eighteen. I have an eighteen-month-old son, and um, it definitely trying to find that balance is is an adjustment that takes a little while to get used to when you when you work in hospitality and you're kind of on call all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to find the balance and is yeah can be a challenge. And even you make it work. Yeah. <laughs> even today, like we're sitting in the office, and Daddy got a phone call from Eric and. <laughs> Little Jacko is pretty, uh, pretty clingy at the moment. And Eric was on the phone saying, oh, he's just, yeah, he's like, won't eat his brekkie, like, since he left the house. <laughs> and so Maddie's, like, having to deal with that. And, you know, she's got, I, I don't know, I, I can't speak from experience, but um, I guess, yeah, I can imagine how hard it would be trying to, you know, multitask a couple of things that are absolutely you know the most important things in your life you know you're raising your baby and trying to have yeah, the business sure. at the same time yeah uh, which he'll eat when he's hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah no he'll eat when he's hungry it's not good <laughs> um that's but, yeah. another thing i don't know whether you guys have experienced it is um people saying to you like oh you're just, like you work in hospitality don't you want to have kids yeah what's that you can do both. You can do yeah. both. Like, oh, but when you have babies, you can't really come back to the kitchen. It's like, no, you can. Why? Why can't <laughs> yeah, I come back you to the kitchen? can. Oh, man. That's what I was saying to Jen before was she, she was saying, like, you know, I just can't fathom having that element in my life right now because I'm so busy. And I think you do yeah. get to a point where, you know, you have 10 things that you have to do that day. And you go, but I also, you know, have to feed my family and I also have to spend time with my child so i'm just gonna pick five and i'll do those five things and the rest can wait kind of thing. you're straight up and it's true you know like i like eric is a great partner i think we complement each other really well and yeah. you know you just work hard together and i think that's the other thing is that you know uh, like we were talking about before um before we started the podcast Jen and I were kind of going back and forward about, you know, had we experienced any negative um, things working in hospitality and, and maybe we maybe we have in the past, but I guess like both of us having venues now for three or four years, we kind of eliminated those memories because we do have such supportive partners that we have, yeah. you know, we're like it's, people often say like I don't know how you do it but you complement each other and, and you're doing different things and you're working on different elements within your business to try and make it the best that it can be so and yeah. you guys are creating that culture that's a lot better yeah hospitality yeah. and I think you know like like you were saying before like you prefer working in a balanced kitchen of men and women mm. the same thing can be said at the Throsby you know there was a time where we had an all-female staff and to be honest like it probably didn't work um whereas now we have a really balanced team and everyone gets on well everyone everyone compliments each other you know the guys and the girls they definitely have their different strengths and it makes it a better place to work and it also makes it a better business so there's something to be said about a balanced workplace and like i totally agree i used to work in um 
you know, a very well-known cafe which I came up in, which was, um, you know, an awesome, fun place to work. But a lot of the floor staff were female and, you know, we had some strong personalities on that floor and it was so amazingly <laughs> fun at times. But holy shit, it could get really hard uh, or really bitchy at the drop of a hat. And you just had to kind of stop and go, whoa, no, like just because we're all females and we're all like just having a crack at one another um so yeah like I think it's definitely um from a front of house back of house perspective there's definitely a difference in the balances um that I've definitely noticed um a lot of the kitchens that I've worked with have definitely been more male driven um with maybe one or two females in them and what's really noticeable about the females in the kitchen is that they're like these amazingly organized, like have their shit under control chefs. And like most of them are regarded as, you know, being a super important member of the team um, because of those qualities and those factors that they're able to bring to, to the kitchen. Um, I worked with an amazing pastry chef and chef down at Diggies. Um, her name was Jodie and she was just this achiever. Like she was just a workhorse, um, super organized and just had her shit together. Never, never complained about anything, just got a job done. And yeah, she was, she was rock solid, which was, you know, something that in uh, a fast paced environment uh, you really need. And yeah, she proved to be, you know, a real, really big asset to those guys. And I'm pretty sure she's still working there. So yeah. It's cool, really cool. I've been really lucky to work with very strong women and very hardworking chefs and yeah. floor staff and bar staff, and I've been really, really lucky. So I've never really had a bad experience with working with female chefs ever, except yeah. when once a month that starts. That's, that's so crazy. That's pretty much it. That's so hectic. Um, that's like a big but apart from that, like I've had some really incredible role models, yeah, and also like a lot of incredible male role models, so. yeah. So yeah, I'm really, really lucky and the culture's just changing in kitchens, I think, especially. Like there's yeah. just no one's got time for that shit anymore. No, no. It's just like what are you doing? Just pull your head into kit. It's yeah. that kind of attitude now. Yeah, like yeah. let's we're here for one reason and it's food. Yeah. So. yeah. There like has been a couple of people that I've worked in with the past where, you know, at the time maybe I haven't really taken notice and maybe it was my age that led me to be a little bit naive and um, yeah they were guys they weren't lovely to me after a little while um and you know I think possibly if I was a male I probably wouldn't have been treated the way I was treated but yeah I was berated I was shouted at um I was lied to and yeah I was lied about behind my back um so yeah that was definitely a negative and I think that that is something that I yeah I will remember I don't really necessarily forget it um, but I really need to say that it's definitely a minority in our industry that that happens nowadays I really feel like that you know the, the cases and issues of that sort of stuff happening um, to you know to hospital businesses especially in Wollongong like we usually hear about that sort of stuff you know, we've got a pretty strong community and we all we all share friends and I feel like if there is someone, you know, whether it be male or, f or female that being an outright idiot, 
um, we generally hear about. Yeah, it doesn't take long to get around. It doesn't take long until you're like, oh, that guy's a dick or she's an idiot or like, so yeah, people, you know, they smarten up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's the tolerance level for for that sort of attitude and behaviour, especially in our local industries, definitely a lot less nowadays, which is really cool. Um, So yeah. It's um, great. It yeah. is great being yeah. part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, on a positive note, some really uh, strong males working in our industry at the moment that have been amazing mentors as well. Um, one of my biggest mentors, I guess, coming up again, Diggies, that was um, my little home for about five, six years, I think. Um, started off as a waitress, didn't really know what I was doing, and ended up being a manager. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. And Aaron Crinis, uh, ex-part owner of Diggies, and yeah, he was definitely my mentor and taught me everything I know, and I owe everything to him. Which you know, I'm really proud to be able to say that he's a, a wonderful person, a wonderful businessman, and yeah, I'll I'll always hold him pretty dearly to my heart. Um, so yeah, I guess. I, I don't know, it's just a positive thing to be able to, to talk about, um, you know, a male mentor that I've had. So, yeah. Definitely. It's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think the same for me, you know, like one of my biggest mentors is a um, is a, a wine importer that used to be my boss when I worked for a catering company. And, um, yeah, he just, you know, it was just, it was all about just getting, get it done, like work really hard and that definitely rubbed off on me and you know that was eight years ago and we're still great friends and now we have a great relationship with wine and he saves me all the good stuff is he yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he's got this amazing spot in the city as well holy moly <laughs> he does throw a good party yeah. it's good to keep him on the good time <laughs> yeah no he definitely taught me a lot so i think it's i think there's uh a lot to learn from everyone really yeah. is what it comes down to um, yeah, I was actually doing, like, I was having a little bit of a think before this podcast as well about, um, you know, like, how males and, like, men and women, how we how we complement each other and how we work together. And um, it didn't take me long to scribble down maybe, like, six or seven couples that are somehow, like, making wine together. And these are kind of, like, all <coughs> new and emerging um like winemakers that you know have just come out in kind of like the last four or five years and um i think the best thing about it is that you know like their passion for what they're doing together seems to make their product better Mm. and like um uh yoko and um i think it's andres from brave new wine i don't know if you follow them on instagram they look like they are having the fucking best time all the time (laughs) (laughs) they are hilarious i'll put it up there with um the howling wolf instagram page oh really pretty good yeah it's pretty funny so definitely brave new wine follow them they're hilarious cool all right what else are we talking about today um just gonna see if there's anything like more positive or negative about like kitchens or restaurants or um i've never like i just i've never really had that many negative experience so i just don't know if i have a there's so much positive now that it sort of does yes yeah, the shit things still happen like yeah. 
there are bits and pieces that still happen yeah. and it's just everyone's either still there's some people that still have that mentality that a kitchen I can only speak for the kitchen the kitchen yeah. is a male I think it's like a generational thing too like I hadn't even yeah. thought of this before but like this isn't even from this is a hospitality example but in a totally different context so we have this young girl who works at the bar you know she's five foot nothing like beautiful blonde hair and we had these guys that were in they were maybe late 40s early 50s and they thought that it was okay to like pretend to touch her up oh shit as a joke because they didn't touch her it wasn't actually an issue and they couldn't comprehend why they were being asked to leave like they, they couldn't understand why so this it was happened, an issue this, this happened this, in the bar this happened at the Trosby only a couple of months ago Wowzers. and it just really affected the girl that works for us because like that's not that, that's not okay in any workplace environment you know and I, I just it's disappointing that people from such a small community think that 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 that's okay we can still get away with doing that and sort they of can stuff. still get away with it and that, and that they thought that, that the course of action that we decided to take, which was to ask them to leave, was drastic. Because it's not. Like, you know, we're, we're a company of people that are 35 and under. And, you know, our generation just won't stand for that. So, that, I don't know, that's how we feel about that issue. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just really disappointing that like customers think that that that's okay in hospitality because yes. they wouldn't do Far it in out. an office you know no oh my god yeah. you get sacked straight yeah. away so full on yeah um so yeah i thought maybe we could just touch on women in the women in hospitality that have been sort of put out there in the media i thought someone that would be really cool to talk about would be annalise gregory yeah she's a huge role model for me at the moment okay and what she's doing is incredible for the industry and yeah. for women in the industry as well. Yeah. Like, there's just no... She's a very zero-tolerance kind of person. Right. This is the head chef of Fred's? Uh, no, no, so she's... Franklin. Um, oh, Franklin, was, yeah. yeah. She was um, part owner of Barb Rosé with Mitchell, a couple of other people yeah. at... Um, yeah, sorry, Barb Rosé in the city. And then um, when Barb Rosé closed, she went to Franklin in Hobart. And she's now head chef? Yep. Yeah. Previously sous chef for, uh, at Key as well. Yeah. So, so like, just crazy experienced, amazing chef. Um, but, yeah, I mean, every good food article or anything that comes out, Sunday Life, like all of the major papers, all of the major publications, anything to do with uh, women in hospitality, everything's focused on Annalise Gregory at the moment, which, yeah, it's awesome. She's this, like, amazing, amazing woman that's um, heading up some of, you know, Australia's best kitchens and, you know, what a positive thing to be able to, you know, to let shine in our industry. So yeah, for I sure. think that's really cool. It's just that big female stamp. Yeah. yeah. Female chef. Yeah. I've got a quote here saying, chef. like, there's... Like, I'll get onto it, but there's a uh, women in hospitality. And one of the quotes that um, Anna Pavoni says is um, 
we're in a moment of change right now um, where women are saying, fuck it, we're here too. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much spot on. Like, it's, yeah. I think it just takes, I think it's going to take um, more more women in hospitality to probably, it probably comes from within as well, you know. Like, we sometimes, <coughs> as women, like I know in my own business, I don't play front of house anymore like I, I let my partner do that and I'm happy to kind of do my admin and, and and like um check in with the team and that kind of thing but I prefer to kind of be a bit more behind the scenes now and I think these female chefs or female business owners they probably need to have like a bit of an internal chat with themselves and say okay you're gonna actually have to create some opportunities to get some buzz around you to to get the media talking about you and more of those to happen so that there's no longer it's women it's not female chefs anymore like you need 10 or 15 amazing female chefs to kind of come Step through up. and shine before yeah. they kind of remove that tag female. and then they go okay yeah. they're all just chefs yeah know? like and then there's 15 great female chefs that have had to really push to put themselves out there 15 male chefs and then finally everyone will just be a chef yeah <laughs> you know that's what it's going to take yeah. i think he's hoping because like you know there's some amazing maitre d's and amazing front of house women in our industry um just one of them being sarah doyle who's like my idol she's this goddess um co-owner of uh, portenio and why have i gone blank what else does she own bodega um, and then she's partners in a couple of other businesses around Sydney, Stan Bully for one. Um, but yeah, there are some amazing front of house women. Um, and I think they're, you know, the fact that we're starting to notice um, women chefs a little bit more is, yeah, it's, it's just awesome. It's, it's only positive for our industry. I think the more that we sort of band together and the more that it becomes a normalised, yeah. um, you know, issue but it's not really an issue the more that it becomes normal normalized you know it will stop being this issue of oh there's females in that industry or wow i read a really interesting statistic that there's um 15 of kitchens is made up by chefs and then 40 percent of up-and-coming chefs that are getting all this media and fluff about them are female chefs so there's a pretty huge jump in the ones that are yeah making noise which is really really exciting and really great I mean, for the rest of one us. person that's been um you know prominent in the media is maggie beer that we were talking about yeah. before like how long has she been around for like yeah she's i don't yeah it'd be awesome as steph was saying earlier to actually you know talk to her about her experiences coming up um you know i'm sure it's probably very different to yeah. well i know that she's a home cook um but you know, just in terms of being so prominent in the media for so long, um, yeah, I think she'd be someone that would have a few interesting ideas. I love um, the episode of Chef's Table, the Osteria Francesca oh, um, episode, yes. and there's like the nonna, yeah. and he goes on about how much about how he learnt how to make pasta from her, and she's <coughs> still in there, like rolling and she is they're the matriarchs man but she's the one that actually educates all of the chefs about like how to make the pasta, pasta. yeah 
Far out. And like she has no qualifications, no title. They just met, you know, making pasta. And now she's like the pasta maker of like the world's best restaurant. You know, it's I so think funny. that's amazing. It's so like true to form as well, being Italian from Italian background myself. Yeah. Um, my grandma, she's 94, God love her, she still lives by herself. Um, and yeah, she still cooks, she still goes to the shops, but yeah, she's very much the matriarch of my father's side of the family. Um, and yeah, she's in the kitchen, she's cooking. Um, my auntie will help her out with a couple of things, but she's definitely the one that's taught my whole family, including my father, how to cook, which is very cool. Um, I don't know if her ideas around hospitality <laughs> um, same. are very much the same as mine. She still asks me, you know, when I'm, oh, well, not now, but um, a couple of years ago, she still used to ask me when I was getting married and when I was getting a real job. <laughs> because, well, because that's the same as, um, I, I like, I have a new god, which is um, Christina Tossi yeah. from Milk. New York. I watched that episode the other day, and I, I should have watched it again. I what show was that? Chef's Table. Chef's as well. Table. Yeah. But she was going on about how her parents, when she told them that she wanted to move to New York to be a chef, coming from some little hick town, and you know she comes from a family of women, basically, they're like, you don't cook for a living. Like you get it. You go to school. You learn. You get a job, and then in your spare time. You make a pie, you know, like that's not a job kind of thing. And she's like, well, that's what I want to do. So off I go kind of thing. Mm. And I think that's awesome. But it's so funny that like, you know, she's maybe 40, like even still perceived as, you know, when she was like 20 years ago that being a cook is, is not a, it's not a career path. It's, you know, being a chef. It's something that you do for your family and to show people that you love them. Not yeah. Necessarily yeah. Like yeah. So that's something phenomenal. Like I've never, yeah. ever experienced something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like definitely like front of house stuff. Yeah. I'm sure experience it every day. Yeah. Yeah. But I think being a chef, it's a bit, it's regarded as being a profession. I guess it is. Um, it should be. I guess yeah. the difference is with chefs in front of house stuff, like probably like contrast journeys that you kind of do when you decide to be a chef, you know, there's qualifications that you go, I'm going to be a chef and you start this course and you take the qualifications and it moves you in a direction. Whereas someone like Jen kind of was like, I'm going to go to uni. Actually, I'm not going to go to uni. I'm going to go and work in this cafe and totally do my thing. Wasted and then you kind of like <laughs> fell deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, you know? And yeah. I think um, it's, it's, it's interesting because that, that front of house or that business hospitality not that you thought that you were going to land here but there isn't that real defined like, career path yeah. getting into that kind of thing so true like when you I guess Wollongong being very much a university driven town there's lots of hospitality jobs for young females um, especially in you know, front of house and waitressing and that's what I saw it as for myself at the time was I was going to uni and it was really important to me that you know I stuck to my guns and I proved to my family that I would go to uni and I would get you know a really good job and love doing it and working on the side was at, in hospitality was just for money and yeah held these really high expectations of myself that that was the way I was going to go and the more that I worked um, in hospitality the more I fell in love with it, the more I fell in love with the pace of it, 
the people, the camaraderie, everything about it. And yeah, the less that I started caring about university, uh, which was not, not, not good for the wallet and, you know, not really good for time management. There was definitely a couple of years where I deferred and deferred and deferred. <laughs> um, but what it did kind of teach me is that, you know, there's something about this industry that's really special. And if you're really passionate and you really love it, there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, a lot of good that you can do with it. Um, and a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity that can come out of it. So yeah, I, I left uni and just kept doing the hospo thing. I became a manager and then um, something called a hybrid manager, which I'm pretty sure my boss at the time made the, uh, <laughs> made the title up for me. a new job title. <laughs> new job title. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's kind of what led me to meet my now husband, Andy. We worked opposite one another. I was the cafe manager and he was the head chef. And we fell in love and it was lovely. Um, but yeah, we decided to open up a hospitality company with my now business partner, um, Gav, and my ex-business partner, Shelley. So we're all family. Um, and yeah, here we are now. We've got a restaurant and barbecue joint and a food truck. So <laughs> yeah, stressful, but it's fun and I love it. Yeah. yeah. So I was sitting at home last night chatting to Andy about, again, what avenue I was going to take with this, and I really wanted to talk about some positive things that were happening in um, the industry for women, and one article that we came across was titled The Women at War for Australian Hospitality, and it was on the Good Food <coughs> website, and it was an article written about Anna Pavoni. Uh, she's co-owner co-owner of the Ameggio Group with her husband Alessandro Pavoni. Um, so some of the venues that they own are Chiosco, Via Alta, Sotto Sopra, and Ameggio at the Spit. And basically, the article um, discussed a couple of things. Um, one of them being, you know, the struggle for her to find balance in her family and work life um, in the hospitality industry, um, owning what is an extremely successful company. Um, you know, the fact that our industry does have unforgiving hours, uh, the pressures that she felt from her family, um, the guilt that she felt trying to be, um, you know, an amazing mother and, ama and an amazing business person. Um, just to give you a little bit of background on Anna, so she is um, the business manager. So she works in the office and manages all of the finances and operations for the four venues that the Omegio group it's owns. A full job. It's a massive job. Um, but yeah, what was really cool was that she, you know, discussed the fact that, you know, there are many of many positives in the hospitality industry for, for women that are truly passionate, you know, if it's in their blood. Um, but it does take, you know, a brood of people to make it happen, especially when you have a family. Um, so one thing was, you know, talking about family support, just talking about all of the hard work that she has to put in. Um, and something that she found uh, that she wanted to sort of, you know, kind of make happen a little bit more was um, something called Council of War. So it's a women's group that she designed. It's for women and it's called Council of War, Women and Restaurants. Um, and basically it's a... 
informal group. It's roughly 10 of them and they get together every few weeks and they just talk shop. Um, so they discuss current issues, they share advice and they're basically there just to support one another and just egg each other up. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. which, you know, I could, awesome. I could really relate to on a level of, all right, so you're in the driving seat for a lot of the decisions that the business makes. You know, it's fucking stressful. Like running the financial side of a business is really hard. You have a lot of pressure on you to make the right decisions, um, you know, to use a lot of forethought in everyday life to see things before they happen, um, to make sure that there's money in the bank to pay suppliers every week, you know, to pay people the correct wages, to pay the super, like it's massive. Um, so, you know, that's something that I really relate to. Like, if I've got an issue or if I, you know, need someone to talk to, sometimes I'll just text Maddie or I'll give her a call and say, what should I do about this? Um, and I really resonated with that because I thought, far out, that's so amazing. Like, she's actually put into place this, you know, this little group that they get together and they just talk about stuff, you know, what issues that they're facing or what they think about certain things or how they deal with certain things, you know. Um, God, even things like awards and, you know, council, like, it's just so important that you're on this on the right page with these things because they're ever changing and it's so hard to keep up with so yeah i just thought it was really cool it's this group she started and i thought fuck we should we should start doing something definitely yeah it's just yeah i think um you know the best advice comes from people that you admire and i mean i'm sure you have the same thing in the in your industry or in your position Kayla, where you you not you want to take a new direction, you're not sure if it's the right way, so you, you reach out to people that you might have worked with before and say, hey, I'm not so sure about this. Like, and I think that's one of the great things about women is that maybe we're, we are a little bit... Sometimes it, it takes a while to um, get that confidence. I think, I think women can sometimes be a little bit hesitant to reach out to other women initially and say like hey I've got this idea what do you think about this or I'm having this issue you know do you have any ideas on the situation kind of thing but mm. I think once you kind of establish like that relationship with be it with your friends or people that you've worked with um, you can get, get a lot of um, confidence and advice I guess from from other women yeah um, I know I, I, like I, I have that with Jen and I have that with another friend who doesn't even work in hospitality and she has her own business and sometimes I call her and go shit <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> what, what to am do I doing? Yeah, yeah. what am I doing or not even there's not even an issue she goes how are you today well I'm shit <laughs> this happened this happened this happened this happened she's like what are you going to do about it? I don't know I'll talk to you later <laughs> and it's great to have yeah. um, you know people friends I guess that kind of relate to about that especially like i mean it's obviously really important in every industry you know that we that we work in in australia but especially hospitality because sometimes i mean as a business owner you're dealing with staff that um you know normally a lot of them are pretty young um as you said kayla they're working a lot um doing a lot of hours they're not seeing, not necessarily seeing a lot of their family a lot of the time, so they might be missing out on, yeah. um, you know, on family events or having that family support. Um, but you know, mental health it's pretty prominent in hospitality, so you're dealing with some really sensitive and serious issues a lot of the time. 
Um, and I find, you know, myself uh, being that person of, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, I'm easy to talk to and I love that my staff can talk to me, but, um, you know, it's, it's a position that we're put in that's really serious and really important that, um, you know, you take people seriously, like your staff and the people that are coming to you. So to have uh, people going through the same things is, you know, would be really cool to actually, you know, say, right, you know, here are some websites that we can go to or here are some people that we can talk to to get some advice on how we should handle some situations. Um, so, yeah. Another really cool thing that I found was um, a website. It's called Woho. So it's, um, it's womeninhospitality.org. I think everyone should go on and have a little look. Um, but basically it is all about women in hospitality supporting one another and focuses around mentoring programs for women uh, in all stages of their career. So whether it be front of house, back of house, chefs, in the office, whatever it is. Um, but basically it's a place to connect, become inspired and build your professional profile. And a couple of the um, people that they've got doing the, or heading up the mentoring programs are Christine Manfield. Um, so she's a renowned chef and author. There's Danielle Alvarez, head chef of Fred's in Sydney, and Nadine Ingram, uh, the owner of Clarenstone Bakery. So yeah, just, I mean, just actually taking that little bit of time out to just do a little bit of research, um, you know, on women in our industry at the moment. It's, yeah, there are obviously a lot of pressing issues, but I think the overall agenda that I found was that it's, it's positive, you know, like, we're coming out and we're saying we're here too and and yeah definitely in a moment of change so it's yeah it's cool and it's really nice to see you know women supporting one another and you know saying it's yeah it's an industry that we should be involved in and you know it's here to stay so yeah, yeah definitely cool. cool um should we do show and tell show and tell what did you bring oh so I'll get it out of the fridge heard of Yuzushu? Yes. No. You have? Do you love it? Yes. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, so this little guy, I love the little label. Oh, it's Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so Yuzushu is a sake-based spirit and yeah, I just love it. It's something that I use pretty prominently in the bar for a lot of our cocktails, but it's just this like amazing umami, sweet, sour and bitter drink that just adds oh, wow. next level to to drinks and it's makes made from citrus or so it's made from it um, smells like mandarin it's crazy it. hey so it's yeah it's made from yuzu juice um so yuzu is a japanese citrus fruit and most people say it tastes like a mixture between grapefruit and lime right but yeah like super citrusy and tart um and then it's mixed with um Asaki. So the one that I've got here today is, um, so it's a Junmai Saki, it's um, Suru Ume, Yuzushu, and well done on the pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, so mixed with Yuzu juice and sugar. So it's delicious, sweet, sour, bitter, and basically just adds, yeah, adds something to cocktails. Or no. you can have it on ice, which is also mm. really yummy. It smells amazing. Yeah. But um, this is brought in from a place called Wakayama in Japan and it's imported by Matt Young from Black Market Saki mm. in Sydney. Cool. Yeah. 
What's yeah. the best cocktail to have this in? Um, so this little number is part of our baby face. Um, so it's just a play on a gin and tonic. So it's yuzushu, it's archie rose, lime, and then I put yuzu syrup in it and top it up with tonic water. So mm. nice and simple, but yeah. Sounds really, good. Really yummy. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks Very much appreciated. Us. And um, yeah, we'll see you around. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Hospo takeover of the Gong Show podcast. And thank you so much to Maddie, Jen and Kayla for taking over the podcast this week and giving us all your thoughts on this issue. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. If you want to find out more about what these ladies do, you can you can have a look at some of the food that Kayla puts out of the kitchen in Dagwood Bar. That's Dagwood BK on Instagram. For Jen, Babyface Kitchen is just Babyface Kitchen on Instagram and Two Smoking Barrels, Two underscore Smoking Barrels on Instagram. And to see what Maddie's up to, it's The Throsby, all one word on Instagram, and Creamy's Gelato, all one word on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with this podcast, you can email us at info at quicksandfood.com. You can ask us questions. You can give us some suggestions for topics or guests. And you can also help support the podcast. We can plug your business if you want, and we're happy to get any support that we can to keep this podcast going. We really hope you're enjoying these. We'll have a couple more up for you shortly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Gong Show, and we'll see you with the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.